Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're into extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program brought to you by RNZ Sport. I'm Matt Chatterton. Well, it's a chock-a-block podcast this week with all the sport going on around the globe, but we start with the history-making New Zealand Olympic team at the Winter Games in Pyeongchang. Up until Thursday, the country's 26-year medal drought appeared like it was going to continue after a number of near misses in the men's skeleton, speed skating and ski team. However, that all changed when 16-year-old Wanaka snowboarder Zoe sadowski sinnett finished third in the women's big year event to claim the bronze medal. It's New Zealand's first medal of the Games and just the country's second Winter Olympics medal ever, following Annalise Koberger's silver medal at the 1992 Albertville Games. sadowski sinnett scored a 65.8 in her first run, but she rocketed into third when she posted a score of 92 in her second run and held on for a podium finish. RNZ's John Campbell spoke to her following her final jump. I don't think it's really hit yet. I'm just chilling here, doing a lot of media stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I think once I get the medal, it'll it'll hit. And yeah, I'm just really stoked. Yeah, I bet you are. Chilling seems to me to be the operative word. I've never seen somebody more relaxed than you competing in an Olympic Games final. Seriously, as you were going out, it was like, oh, here I go then. I mean, what was that about? How were you so calm? Um, Yeah, well, uh, well, I used up all my nerves and slope the other week. Like, I, yeah, I didn't do as well as I'd hoped. And, you know, like, I think the pressure got to me and then it was all just kind of chilling for bigger... We were just um, trying to do our best and like, didn't really care about the outcome, so yeah. But, but once again, did that mean the pressure wasn't as much on you in Big Ear? It's funny that, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really feel the pressure, you know. I just I love snowboarding and I just uh, felt like it was another day snowboarding, so yeah, I think that helped a lot. Now, I know you've got to go because there's thousands of interviews, people wanting to talk to you, but one final question. Your dad said to me, he thinks your best is yet to come. He wasn't trying to put pressure on you in the fashion of dads, you know. Oh, yeah, that's good, but you can do better, you know. But, yeah. you know, what, 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 what do you dream of? What is it at the age of 16, having already won a bronze medal in the Olympics? What is it that you want to do now? Yeah, I just want to have a, you know, long, healthy career snowboarding and have as much fun as possible. Hope to be at X Games and um, hopefully more Olympics to come. 16-year-old Winter Olympic bronze medalist Zoe sadowski sinnett talking to John Campbell. And as the saying goes, when it rains, it pours. Less than two hours after sadowski sinnett's effort, fellow 16-year-old Nico Porteous won bronze in the men's ski halfpipe, pipping New Zealand flag bearer Bo James-Wells for a spot on the podium. The men's ski halfpipe is a highly competitive event, with three Americans top qualifying for the final, but after a phenomenal second run, Porteous was catapulted into first. 
Eventually he finished third after opting not to push himself too hard on his final run. Later he revealed he had nothing left in the tank following his second attempt. Porteous just beat Sadowski Sinnott to become New Zealand's youngest medalist. He spoke to RNZ Susie Ferguson following his emphatic result. It's an honour to be um, not only be an Olympic medalist but also to be um, young and yeah, for me, I don't really see age as too much of a factor in our sport. And if you work hard, I guess anything's possible. So when you first heard that, after you'd managed to get bronze in such fantastic style, what do you think? I honestly still can't believe it. Um, as soon as someone says to me, uh, you got the bronze medal, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely speechless. I don't really know what to think right now. Just take us back to a few hours ago when you were actually in the event because you had a pretty stellar second round effort and then you had to wait, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Although I wasn't actually too nervous because I was extremely proud and happy on the way I skied and I wasn't I wasn't going to be upset um, even if I you know, didn't get on the podium. The podium was just a bonus for me, but I'm just so, so proud to be a New Zealander and I'm stoked. You put in an astonishing performance. Where did you? Where did that come from for you? Do you know? Uh, yeah, I'd I'd been working so hard for the past six months and kind of keeping it under the radar and and not really, not really um, yeah, not really showing off my tricks or not letting many people see them. And so I was just absolutely training my hardest, and I, I guess it paid off. How much practice do you actually have to put in? Uh, yes, yeah, so I was I was putting in about um, I'd be in the gym about four times a week for two hours, and then I'd be on the hill six days a week um, skiing and and yeah, being really intense. And then I'd do lots of mental training. It's um it's it's quite a stressful uh, process, and and it involves a lot of effort, but it's all worth it on days like today. What's it going to be like? Do you think to to come home with a medal and to you know, be able to show it off to your mates? I don't know. I think it will be something I keep quiet. I mean, my mates are my mates, and I'm not a free skier when I'm with them. I'm just plain old Nico. 16-year-old Winter Olympic bronze medalist Nico Porteous talking to RNZ's Susie Ferguson. Now, following the two teenagers' efforts, Snow Sports New Zealand is already eyeing greater success at the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. The chief executive of Snow Sport New Zealand, Marty Toomey, told sports editor Stephen Hewson it was an historic day for the sport. Oh, amazing day, and not just two medals for in a couple of hours, but the you know I guess you look at two 16-year-old athletes delivering Olympic medals in two hours. It's pretty special. And one on a snowboard and one on skis. It's uh, yeah, it's about as good as it gets. I think. Is this beyond your dreams for what you hoped might have been achieved at these Winter Games? No, it's not actually. And uh, I mean, some people might be surprised to hear that, but we we definitely knew we had athletes with the ability to win medals. Um, we've had, you know, the likes of Zoe and the um, slope style. She could have well been in contention there too. It just didn't quite pan out. Um, you got Carlos Garcia Knight on again. We thought we had five or six genuine chances, and in these sports, you know, knowing that they're slippery and you do fall over, um, out of six, we thought we could convert two or three. So, so what's it mean for these sports? Oh, it's huge in terms of the, the inspiration and the aspiration for kids. 
You know, I mean, other kids who, uh, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, love doing what they're doing. And if they're looking around and they're seeing people of similar age who are winning Olympic medals, it's, it gives them a real bit of an excitement, bit of a buzz. You know, I mean, if you're 12 and love snowboarding and you really want to go for it, you know, in four years' time, you could be standing on a podium. That's, um, that's pretty cool. It's a young person's game. Oh, it is. It is, and it's a tough game. You know, I mean, they put their life on the line every time they, they jump off things, whether it be a half pipe or a big year jump. Um, and, I mean, they're incredibly brave, and these are, these are young kids doing death-defying stunts um, on the world stage. It's far special. Is that what attracts people to the sport, or young people to the sport, the, the, the sense of danger? Oh, I'm sure that's one of the bits, you know, but it, it's, it's a creative challenge. You know, I guess one of the things, and that's where it differs to, um, again, a lot of the physiology-based sports, you, you have a canvas that's delivered to you, and then it's up to you to do what you want with it. And so for a lot of kids who are really creative, don't want to necessarily follow the rules and do exactly what they have to do, they get to do what they want to do. And that's, I think, that's what attracts them. That's what makes it uh, special. They're in the mountains, they're in great places, they're around good friends. There's a real camaraderie between athletes. And so it's a mix of all of those things that just brings them back and brings them back in their droves. Is there a sense, I mean, you talked about the camaraderie in the sport, is there a sense or a danger that can go as it sort of becomes more Olympified, I suppose, and, and the rewards are so much greater? Really good question. It's something that I thought might happen. Certainly I thought it might have changed quite a lot between... Um, you know, Sochi and Pyeongchang and, you know, maybe through to Beijing. But I think the thing that keeps them all, from that camaraderie perspective, that keeps these guys being really respectful of one another is the fact that they put their lives on the line. So they actually, when someone else does something that's very, very dangerous and pulls it off, they're all actually genuinely stoked for them. They sit there and you see it. It's it's real. It's not contrived. They, um, they actually really do respect other people's artistic talents and so I don't think that'll go away there'll definitely be more competition between nations as people you know I mean they have to deliver medals to keep getting their ongoing funding but I think the athletes themselves will always be respectful and friendly with their uh, competitors That's Marty Toomey of Snow Sports New Zealand talking to Stephen Hewson Well, tonight marks the start of the 2018 Super Rugby season for New Zealand teams, with the Blues heading to Dunedin to take on the Highlanders. It's a double derby weekend for New Zealand fans, with the Crusaders hosting the Chiefs in Christchurch tomorrow, while the Hurricanes are in South Africa to take on the Bulls in their season opener. RNZ's rugby scribes Joe Porter and Barry Guy sat down to discuss each team's chances this year. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Joe, it doesn't seem that long ago that we were talking uh, Super Rugby and you got your prediction right that the Crusaders uh, would take out the title after many years. Um, chance they can do it again in 2018? Well, odds on. They're certainly the favourites with the bookies alongside the Hurricanes and Scott Robertson, after eight years of no success at the most successful franchise in Super Rugby history, they're back on top of the pile. So in his first year in charge, he took them back to the Super Rugby title and it was a pretty fantastic season for them. They won a lot of tight games, uh, played some pretty good rugby and of course went over to Johannesburg, Alice Park and tipped over the Lions to win the Super Rugby title, making history by going over there and winning that. So uh, I think they'll have another top season. They've got 
a team filled with All Blacks, as we already know. Their forward pack is the best in Super Rugby. They've got a first five who's knocking on the door of All Black selection and a coach who is obviously great at motivating his players. So I would think the Crusaders are the favourites to win again this year. Uh, yeah, they've got a few out injured, you know, the front yeah. row and uh, Israel Dag and the likes, but it's depth that gets a yeah, team yeah. through, doesn't it? And New Zealand has pretty good depth. Perhaps the one that is always questioned as the Highlanders. Mm. But I remember Jamie Joseph used to always say that um, these guys have been around for a long time. They're just not the names that people, you know, regularly know. So uh, perhaps if we do look at the, at the Highlanders, you know, first up, um, they're going to they're gonna be contenders still, even with the likes of the, they're missing a few of their, um, you know, players that have moved on. Yeah, that's right. I think the Highlanders will go well this year. Aaron Major seems to be a very good coach. He essentially helped Northampton force their way back into contention in the Premiership and then was very unlucky. He got shafted in many ways to not receive the head coach's role there after taking over in an interim position and sort of achieving some quite remarkable things. So I think he's got a big future in coaching and he's taken over from Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown. Now, Jamie Joseph got those Highlanders working hard with a massive work ethic. Like you say, they're not necessarily the big names, but guys that come in week in, week out and perform. Uh, and, and Tony added some really smart tactical uh, analysis to the team and as well as a few different um, tactical points of view. So Aaron Majors inherited a pretty solid side. Uh, last season for Lima Sopawanga as well, expecting a massive year out of him, and he wants to go away a winner and leave his legacy. So... If they can keep Lima Sopawanga fit at first five, they have a few depth issues, as we know, the Highlanders, but if they can keep Lima fit, they've got a bunch of good forwards, including Liam Squire, who was probably one of the best All Blacks last year. Uh, solid front row in tight five. I think they'll be up there with the Hurricanes and Crusaders competing for the titles. I think they'll finish ahead of the Chiefs and Blues. Uh, you know, we can go through every team, but as you mentioned, the Hurricanes and the Chiefs, they'll be, um, you know, they're good sides. Uh, Colin Cooper's the new coach at the Chiefs. Uh, Chris Boyd in his last season with the Hurricanes. Hurricanes have, you know, most of their players back. A lot of pressure on the biggest franchise yes. in the country, though, the Blues, Tanarumanga. You know, they've got to make the playoffs this year, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll quickly touch on the Hurricanes. They're joint favourites with the Crusaders, a backline that's probably the best Super Rugby's ever seen when everyone's fit, including the Barrett brothers. Like the Crusaders, chocker full of All Blacks across the board, um, and a few missing like Dane Coles, but he'll come back. And, you know, Asafo Almua made the All Blacks end of year tour last year, so they've got some really replacements. I think the Hurricanes will, will really push the Crusaders this year. And Chris Boyd, I'd say winning a championship would be the one and only goal this year. That's what they would consider a success. Anything other than that would be a failure with the team they have what they've built over the last few years and of course you've got guys like Julian Savia who aren't lacking in motivation trying to break their way back into the All Blacks so I think the Hurricanes will go really well the Chiefs have lost their coach and Dave Rennie new coach Colin Cooper I imagine he employs a similar sort of ethos but they've lost a few senior players Tawita Kurbalo, Aaron Cruden to name a few Damian McKenzie now shifting to first five where the All Blacks want to see him that's an experiment and we know he's not quite up to speed there yet so I think the Chiefs may struggle a little bit this year, just adjusting to the new coach and some of their new players and a new style of game plan. I think they might... Uh, they're, I mean, they're a good side. They haven't won anything since 2013. They've sort of been there thereabouts. I still think they'll make the playoffs. They might scrape in, but... Yeah, I think the Chiefs might find it a struggle this year. The Blues, Tana Umanga, yes, finals will bust for them. They haven't made the playoffs since 2011. They've been the last place New Zealand side since 2014, so they've had a, a horrible run since the New Zealand Conference has come into play. And the biggest franchise with the biggest talent pool, they should be doing a lot better. Again, I think they'll struggle, though. Their backline looks great. Sonny Bill Williams, 
everything outside of him. Rico Yuane, their centres are really strong as well. But again, they're lacking that quality first five. I thought they'd signed one, in, or they have signed one in Ortiz Black, the former Hurricanes and under New Zealand under 20s first five, but he's now gone to injury for most of the season. So they're lacking an experienced pivot. I think they'll struggle there. And their tight five and loose forwards just, just don't look as strong as the rest of the New Zealand super side. So they still have All Blacks, just not as many. And I don't think they've got the, the players to grind out the tough ones. I think it might be another tough season for the Blues. However, I think they might finish ahead of the Chiefs and sneak into the playoffs. Joe Porter and Barry Guy there. Veteran Breakers shooting guard Kirk Penny has called an end to his 20-year career in professional basketball. The 37-year-old has played in America's NBA, various European leagues as well as here in Australasia. He'll retire following the NBL's finals run, which starts next weekend, with the Breakers taking on Melbourne United, who finished the regular season on top of the table. He told media his decision wasn't an easy one, but he had been thinking about it for a while. Probably the biggest thing that happened during the course of the year was my, my dad dying and just kind of um, going through that with him and reassessing priorities and, and the future. And um, and I think I have a yeah just a massive want to have a new new challenge and have a new chapter in life and a new season in life and I've done this for a long time and to finish with the breakers is truly special and it's been awesome to be a part of their journey as much as playing has been a part of my journey. Is that something you always wanted to do was finish with the breakers? Uh, you know I never knew how it would all end I think so much is out of my control when it comes to where you're going to finish your career but to have the opportunity to finish here with the Breakers is special. And uh, you know, I grew up my whole life within four or five minutes of here until 18 I went to college in the States. So it does feel like the full circle and it's a pretty special way to, to kind of cap off a, a career that's been uh, rich in experiences. I can only imagine how it would sort of feel listening to, say, Dylan, you know, someone who must have played a lot of influence on your career, you know, talk about... You know your career overall with the Breakers and the Tall Blacks, and also your NBA career, and saying that you know at the right time you could have gone on for years. You know, what are your reflections of, of that part of your career? Oh, I know. I mean, I know that. I mean, there's a lot of people. You take the NBA. There's one guy in it. There's probably five or six, ten guys that could be in it. Like, there's a lot to do with timing, work ethic, being in the right form at the right time. I, I mean, we all know that. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I think I've learned a lot from my journey. And every individual journey is so different. You know, there's a uh, there's a cool moment with the NBA because you're touching on that, and it was with Popovich and the Spurs. And um, Pop cut me before the first veteran camp, before the first game against the Houston Rockets. And um, I was like, Pop, like, I was in a room, just him and me. Like, come on, you flew me over from New Zealand business class, from the you know, I'm meant to be playing, starting a breakers season. What am I what am I doing here? Like, you brought me here. You've got to give me a game, just one game. And Pop was like. Beep, beep, Kirk. The coaches will be so mad at me. Uh, fine, you're coming to Houston, right? So I'm like, great, all right. So I get to go to Houston. And in the first half, he didn't play me that much. And at halftime, he said, Manu, you know, Manu Ginobili, you're done. Kirk, you're starting. So I got to start with Tony Parker and Tim Duncan. And I had like nine points in 14 minutes. And, uh, you know, I knew he still had to cut me. That was the agreement. But it was just like cool to be like, yeah, I got to go out there. I know I can play at this level in some capacity, and it just felt good. And I will forever be thankful to Greg Popovich for that moment because he got it. 
he was like, all right, I see what's happening here. Yeah, this you're not going to be on the squad for the year, but you just need to have a moment here. And he gave me that moment. And obviously, to me, he's probably the greatest coach the NBA maybe has ever seen. And it, it was a very, very neat experience to go through. And for me, it was kind of closure to that NBA chapter. And um, then I could you know, carry on in the rest of my career. You're a leader here at the Breakers, and a lot of people look up to you. Do you see yourself like you could be one of those teachers, one of those coaches? Yeah, I, I think um, I, I love the opportunity to teach, and I don't know what capacity it'll be in and what industry it'll be in. But um, I think you know being in a leadership position is one that I definitely um, think I'd flourish in. Kirk Benny. Finally, the Glasgow Commonwealth Games gold medalist David Nika admits the upcoming Gold Coast Games could be his last chance to compete as an amateur on the world stage. Nika headlines an eight-strong team of boxers representing New Zealand at this year's Games, along with London Olympian Alexis Pritchard and debutants Richard Hadlow, Ryan Scaife, Tasman Benny and Troy Garton. The 22-year-old told Ravinda Hunia while he wants to compete at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, Games politics may force him to turn professional earlier than he'd like. I want to be, you know, able to hit the the pro game at pace, and um, you know, I want to I want to sell out stadiums. I don't want to, you know, become a journeyman and just make a few bucks here and there. So, um, it's 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 a lifestyle for me as as well as a sport and a hobby. Um, so I'm I'm just looking forward to. Uh, you know, every every step as it comes, but um, the professional ranks, you know, yeah, it's it's calling, but um, I just have to be patient. Yeah, the way our sport is run, you know, they don't, I don't think they've gone by the books, and I think there are, there has been a few issues with with corruption and with um, the the council and how how everything's run. So I can't really comment on it, but um, I just know that there's some shady stuff going on, and um, the IOC wants them to figure it out and. I do as well because I feel like I've been on um, the wrong end of a few a few um, shady decisions. But um, th- don't we all? Like that's a, that's the nature of the sport. It is subjective, and you know it's not it's not a matter of who gets over the line first. So I, I hope I hope they clean it up, and I hope it's not going to be an issue. If the AIBA is banned from the Olympics in, to- uh, in Tokyo, I will be looking to turn professional before then, possibly after the Commonwealth Games. But you know I wouldn't expect high-performance sport to fund a, a sport that, that has corruption in it, so um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Is this campaign sort of redemption for Rio? I guess you could I guess you could say that, you know, I'm always looking to put my best foot forward, and I didn't get that opportunity uh, at the Rio Olympics, so yeah, yeah I guess it is. I haven't really thought of it that way, but um, I'm always trying to uh, look to better my previous performances. At Glasgow, when you won that gold medal, you were you know, really emotional about it. How important is it for you to feel that again? Well, I'm always, I'm always looking for those pure moments. You know, it's, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, but um, at the end of the day, you know, boxing's full of them and, and it's, that's what makes you feel human, is those moments like those. It's going to be a great opportunity just to, yeah, I guess find that, find that again. What are some of the things you've really been working on for Gold Coast? I'm a totally, a totally different fighter to, to Glasgow, and I'm, I'm just excited to show people what I've been working on. And um, a lot of people haven't seen me since, since 2014. You know, boxing is a sport where you have the opportunity to, you know, manipulate your opponent, to have fun, to be yourself. You know, it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more exciting than rowing a boat. You know, that, that kills me. But like, I, I, yeah, I'm just looking, looking forward to, you know. Putting, forward, putting my best foot forward and um, 
yeah, have fun. Commonwealth Games boxer David Nika talking to Ravinder Hunia. And that's extra time for this week. As always, your feedback is welcome. You can reach us via Twitter at RNZ Sport or our emails sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Matt Chatterton. Have a great sporting weekend. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.